Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to help me pick out a game to play next? Yeah, I mean, what are you? What are you kind of thinking? Are you like, what? What do you? What are you? Jonesing yeah, for? Exactly. <laughs> Cue music. And welcome to another fine episode of Pants Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And on today's episode, we are going to talk about an email that Paige sent us, which I'm going to read to you now. Hi, Paige. Everyone sit down and buckle your seatbelts because I didn't edit it at all. Hey, Phil and Senda, how do you start a campaign when you've got GM block? Context, I just finished a four and a half year campaign in March. Bravo, bravo, congratulations. Well done. It was fantastic. Everyone was happy and I was excited to run more stuff, not burnt out. When the game ended, I ran some one shots to try new systems and it was fun, but I missed longer games. Fair enough. I want to run a campaign, but I have no ideas. And even though there are a ton of good systems out there, none of them sound exciting. It feels like when you're hungry, but you can't figure out what to eat. I know a lot of people never have this problem. They just have a whole list of systems and plot catalysts they're dying to run. But I'm guessing I'm not alone. So for people like me, what do you run when you don't know what to run? What an awesome question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is really good. Um, I'm even having more thoughts than we have in the notes so far. So there are a couple of things I will probably... um, jam into the notes to address along the way sure but let's boil this down a bit so we can get at um at the goodies right so for sure there are times when we end a game that we absolutely know what we're going to run next right i like i often like as i'm winding down a campaign i kind of already have an idea of what the next game is going to be but not always right not always i i sometimes know that i sometimes don't um, and in the case of um, what what Paige is saying is that um, they have a desire to GM, which I think is awesome, right? That awesome to recognize, like you still like you still want to run something. You still got you know the um, you know you still have those spoons, uh, but not inspired, right? And then yes. So I have a weird thing that I want to throw in here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just something that I have experienced. And I wonder if this is also a piece of it too, right? Sometimes you play a game and it's so good that you like continue to process the fact that you brought it to a conclusion and how awesome the conclusion and the game were for like a while. And it's hard to let it go. And that's absolutely happened to me. And I wonder if that might be part of what's happening here, too, because like it's just like hard to mentally even move into a new space because it was just so good that you're still like just thinking about it. I mean, it's possible, right? Um, It's definitely possible to need to address that uh, without a doubt. Uh, And I've had those moments, right? I've had those moments where um, I've, you know, had like real uh, just a real large important um game and then the next couple are kind of like wonky until they like they don't have as much energy as the last one did (laughs) yeah now i i might be i might be in the same boat that Paige is in or we might be sitting in the same boat but see like for my game group um i'm one of the primary i'm like basically the primary gm for at least one of my game groups if not both 
and uh, I kind of need to be running something. Otherwise, we're not playing. Yeah. So sometimes I got to get a game up and running when um, when I'm not even 100% sure what we're going to play, right? And I don't want it too many uh, weeks to go by because if I do... Uh, then you know, like we could lose co- like we could lose group cohesion. People could go do other things, that right. kind of thing, right? Calendars will get shifted around. Blah, I need blah, to blah. kind of keep everybody moving along, right? So I need to get like I I know my group personally goes like from game conclusion to um, game selection, like session minus one, like within like you know from one week, like from one session to the next. Yeah, to be fair, mine does also. Um, and that is where we are right now. We have just decided what we're going to play next. And our next session is, um, you know, uh, session zero. Right. We just finished a game last. Um, well, we played a series of one shots between things, I guess. <laughs> it was different. One was in town and it was awesome. And so we played in town things. Anyway, sorry. That is a total rabbit hole side note. Nope, it's fine. So let's go back to this idea of, of the desire to GM, but not inspired not inspired about what to GM. Yes. Uh, and then I want to just tease a couple of sentences out of Paige's email that I thought were really important, right? Wants to run something, but no ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, tons of systems, but none of them are exciting. Yeah. Right? This, again, kind of just reinforces this idea. Desire, but not inspired. Feels like you're hungry, but not sure what to eat. And I think that might be the best analogy um, for today, right? Like we have all had that case in our life where we are, uh, hungry. Yep. Right. We know, we know it is mealtime. We can feel the hunger monkeys inside of us <laughs> and we are like, eh, I don't know what to eat. Right. Like just like I could eat anything, but eh, I don't know. Um, we are just not inspired. So I think it's a great analogy. And because this show is both, um, uh, dispenses information and is a bit cheeky at times. We're actually going to um, extend that analogy and talk about um, using it to kind of figure out what games possibly to run as well as uh, talk about some of the foods that we might eat if we were hungry. <laughs> Good Fair thing enough. I, Good thing I just ate lunch. That's what I yeah. will say about this. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna actually do that um, in this uh, in this segment. Um, but Senda, um, do you want to just like kind of take us through? Um, like, this isn't really a process, right? Right. It's 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 not a formula. It's more about exploring options and seeing what sticks. And so we've kind of created some food-based categories that are a little bit loose and you know you you could argue that there might be overlap or whatever but you know bear with it it's whatever it's it's the idea (laughs) they're loose buckets right to just help you narrow things down um that are buckets you might consider both of you are trying to figure out what to eat and if you are trying to figure out what to play (laughs) right so what we're hoping is that by kind of thinking through this, what you're really trying to achieve is that initial level of excitement that will get a campaign launched, right? The part that gets you off the ground so that the the act of playing it can then generate enough excitement to keep it going, which is a lot of what we talked about last week um, with solo RPGs, right? But now we're talking about for a group, but we're still talking about for you as the person running the game, um, that key thing is having enough inspiration that it is spoon giving 
or like excitement, even not inspiration, but that it is spoon giving to run the game and not spoon taking. That's the key part. So you got to have yeah, enough back, to launch. Yep. Going back to what we said last week, right? Excitement creates engagement. Yeah. Right. So if we are excited about a game, we will be engaged to do the work to get it off the ground. Plus, if we are excited when we get to the table for our session zero, our first, and then our first session, we are pushing that excitement onto and into our players who in return will reflect that excitement back to us, supercharging us. And that gets us through that initial excitement. There is a graph that I very much want to draw that shows this like um, bell curve of excitement, the initial one. That happens like early in the campaign and then overlapping it, there is another longer bell curve that is the excitement of actually playing the game with the players. Yeah. A and your goal is to get those to overlap nicely yeah. so that you stay at like a almost constant yeah. uh, level of excitement and not crash before it picks back up right those cases where they crash before they pick back up are typically games that don't last very long i could do a whole thing with fake graphs um <laughs> and, like i could do a whole gnome stew article yeah on i was this. like this sounds like a gnome stew article because it yeah, needs yeah. a lot of visual um yeah. aids. but but i assure you i assure you that this is true after 40 years of gaming that I am fairly certain I understand these two phases of excitement. Um, so that is what we are seeking, right? And that is what Paige is seeking uh, in their question, right? They're looking for that initial excitement. The rest of it will come from once the game gets started. But you got to put a lot of energy into getting a campaign off the ground. So you got to be excited and start doing the work before the players are like kind of feeding you more energy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's the tricky part, right? Yeah. So there are, I'll take this next part. There are two types of excitement. Um, there is internal or intrinsic excitement, right? That is when that is when you personally are excited. So perhaps you pick up a game, a book, and you're like, oh, I, I so much want to run this game. Like I am so excited to... Um, you know, be it something like Cartel um, or um, Cortex Prime, which is like I'm just looking at now, right? Like um, that's internal intrinsic excitement. Then there is ex external or extrinsic excitement, which means it's coming from the outside towards you. And that is like when your players are excited. Yes. Right. And so and and so I, and I, I'm sure you've experienced this. I have I have without a doubt experienced this where. Um, I have a game where I am intrinsically very excited about it. I present it to the group and no one else is excited about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely happened. <laughs> right? And that's a heartbreaker because you're yeah. like, I am so excited to run this game and people are like, nah, I don't I don't really want to really play it. that game, yeah. right? Like, And you're just like, wah, 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 right? Like, <laughs> sad trombone. Sad trombone, dying Pac-Man, like the, you know, <laughs> that thing. Um, but when you bring something to the table and you're like, Oh my God, I'm so excited to play this. And then everybody else looks at you and is like, Oh, we got to play this game. Uh -huh. Like this game is exactly our jam that all of a sudden, like when those two connect, like excitement happens. Right. And you're like, okay, we're getting this game to the table, right? Like here's how it's going to go. And everybody's on board, energetic and like, you know, ready to go. Yeah. I'm really okay. excited for my game. Grossness game like that. And I'm never, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just really yeah. excited to play it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Now, the thing is, excitement's excitement. 
it doesn't really matter whether it comes intrinsically or um, extrinsically. If you get excited, you get excited, right? So what that means is it's great if everybody's excited, right? If you're excited and the players are excited. But if you are kind of looking to... Um, and this will depend on also your GMing style and preference. Um, you could get by with just the players being excited and you being kind of lukewarm about it. Like, oh, I'm not 100% sure I, you know, about this game, but boy, everybody in this group is super excited and that pleases me. Like, I would like to run something that's going to make everybody happy. So cool. I'm going to get into this. Uh, I definitely done some one shots like that. Sure. I have run, I've run a couple of games like that. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, I will say this. There is when, when you are riding on only extrinsic excitement, you really need to know if you are lukewarm mm -hmm. or just trying to please your friends. Yes. <laughs> because if you're like neutral yeah. and they're excited, yeah. then it's, fine. it's like a net positive. Yeah. But if you're actually not cool with it. Yep. And they're excited, right? It gets to be more of a zero sum or negative. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I really don't want to run, you know, Call of Cthulhu, but they really want me to. I guess I'm going to do it. And they're super excited. Like, that's different than, um, you know, like where you're neutral about it, where you're like, oh, I wasn't thinking about running Call of Cthulhu. But yeah, sure. Like, I could do that. Like, that's fun. Is I think the difference is um, the part where we... Um, I have to talk about the GM as a player as well. Um, yes. You have to not be like specifically like, I do not want to. And like somehow because you're the GM, your opinion no longer matters because everybody else is excited. No, if they if they get to say, meh, we're not excited about a game. You also get to say, meh, I'm not excited about this game. Absolutely. And there is a, and there is a difference between uh, I'm unsure or 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 neutral on this versus yeah. I, I do not do like not this game. want. Yeah. Yep, yeah. there is a difference. There is a there is a difference, um, and you should know it. And and like you said, you should not be afraid to express that, um, because your job as GM is not to only please your players. Yeah, your job is to also have a fun time. Yeah, you okay. are a player too. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, which brings me to this thing, right? Like when when we talk about it, and um, when we talk about internal and external excitement, when I am looking to play a new game. Um, I do like a kind of combination of things. Like normally what I tell people in my group is, okay, uh, start tossing up games that you'd be interested in playing. I am too. Yeah. Right. So like I'll throw a few out and then everyone else will throw a few out. Um, and the thing that I've always told my group is I will veto since I'm the one who's going to be running, mm -hmm. I'm going to veto anything that I have no desire to run. Yep. So if you just throw a game out there that like I have no interest in playing, I will just tell you that up front, like because it's better we just take that one off the table yeah. and stick to the ones where I'm I would be interested in running it and you'd be interested in playing it. Yep. All around. So, yeah. And I have done it other ways. I've done it other ways where I've prepared a list of five games and said, these are the five games that I wish to run. Which of these five would you like to play? Um, but I've come to learn that sometimes it's the one that I never see coming is the game that I get excited to play. So yeah. I try to like open it up to as many ideas as possible with the understanding that I, I will veto anything that I am just a hard no on. Well, really interesting. I'm not sure that Knights Black Agents was actually on your list that you went into on your last discussion about this. 
Like it wasn't on my list at right. all. So it wasn't you actually even thinking on. Of it. it wasn't on anyone's list until we got to the room. Oh wow! Where we started discussing it, and it got added on to it, and then people were like, "Oh, that sounds interesting." Like, <laughs> "Oh, that would be cool," and I was like. Oh, I'll run Knights I'll run. Black Agents. <laughs> and there like, you are. <laughs> I was like, oh, I hadn't like I hadn't even thought about running that game. Like, but now that you're saying it, I'm like, I totally think I could do that. And that's how we wound up picking it. Yeah. No, that's so yeah. sorry. It was, just a, this, it was a real world example of like the one that came out of left field ends up being the winner. Yeah, it was the sleeper, yeah. right? Like no one saw that one coming. And then like <laughs> after like after it was named, it was like, oh, huh. okay. Well, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. All right, so to get back to the um, to get back to the food analogy. <laughs> yes, again. Right. Good thing I just ate lunch. All right, so I think what we'll do is we'll take turns naming the categories. Is that cool? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna go back to this food analogy. The idea being is, um, and think of this in in parallel, right? Because we're gonna stretch this metaphor a bit thin, right? We are trying, <laughs> yeah. I, like when you're trying to figure out what to eat and when you're trying to figure out what to run, we're going to talk about a couple of categories, four of them. I think they are a little overlapping and a bit broad, but whatever you'll, I think you'll get it. Um, and we're going to name, um, because we're going to be fun. We're going to name uh, food uh-huh. as well as games, uh-huh. games, types of games, that kind of thing. Yes. Okay. Good. All right. So what is the first category when we're trying to figure out what we might want to, to eat for dinner or run for dinner? Yeah. The first category, sorry, this is making me giggle. So the first category is go-tos, which is things you know you like, you've played them before or eaten them before, um, and they've produced good experiences for you, right? So this is just the like, ah, I don't know, we'll just go back to this place kind of kind of place. What are, yeah. tell me, tell me your food place and then tell me your games. Yeah. All right. So my food place, like my absolute like go-to, like if, if nothing else comes up, uh, five guys. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a burger, fries, milkshake is a. Um, I don't get it all the time. I haven't had it in a while, but like in a jam, if I had no idea what to eat, five guys will do that job. Yeah. Uh, if we're talking about games, then uh, fate is always a go-to for me. Like oh, like fate, you know. And then obviously it's fate plus a setting. Yeah. Um, which is how I kind of that, which is how I wound up um uh playing um um I hunt. Yeah. Right. Su- super engaging setting mixed with something that with was a go-to. that was a go to. Yeah. Right. Fate. Uh, Dungeon World for me is always a go to. Um, not even a particular campaign. Just like, oh, if we're going to run if we're going to run fantasy, like Dungeon World is a very reliable way for me to um, run fantasy. Yeah. Uh, and then ironically, because I am not a fantasy guy is what I always tell I myself. Know, but here you are with two on the list. Uh, the other one that I, the other one that's a go-to for me is Dungeon World Classics, um, yeah. or Dungeon Crawl Classics. I fucking love this game, and I will go get a module. I will go, you know, I will go online down, like I will go online buy a module and run DCC. Uh, it's a game that I actually can reteach myself very quickly, even if I haven't played it in a while. It comes back very quickly. Um, their adventures are awesome. Um, it's just a solid go-to. I've done it twice already. I will probably do it a third time. I will probably run uh, DCC again at some point in the future. Yeah. So what about you? What's your go-tos? Like if you got to eat dinner and you got to play a game, what are your go-tos? Yeah, I have a longer list of go-tos for food. So I am a Chipotle, Firehouse, Wahoo's Fish Tacos, and like Poke Anytime kind of gal. That's where I am with all of that. Um, Sure. So this, this particular question 
specifically because we're talking about campaigns and have separated some of my things that I would normally fall into this category for me of go-tos that I keep going back to them into the next category that we're going to talk about. This particular question was actually kind of hard for me because I have, like, since since I stopped playing D&D with frequency, right, I have not played a campaign in the same system twice. So I don't have a go-to system because I literally haven't gone back to anything. Um, having said that, um, I play a ton of Powered by the Apocalypse games. And to me, that generalized mechanical set, I think, fulfills this, right? I haven't yeah, played I so. the same PBTA game twice. Um, like, we're always playing different ones. Um, the next one that we're going to play is Monster Hearts 2. <laughs> yeah. But um, but Powered by the Apocalypse is a go-to system you know generalized system in which we play more specific games um consistently and i always probably will because i really like it and we i know what kind of results it produces and i know that it works for my group Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's solid yeah so that's me that was my caveat my caveat was like if it's actual named like games i haven't (laughs) no i mean but 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 in this case if you were going to go to a go-to right you'd open up your folder of pdfs of yeah i'd be like pbta games and be like i'm gonna start looking here exactly and that's exactly what happens like we're like cool so we played um you know masks and we played power beyond doubt and we played cartel now we're playing monster hearts you know like we're just we're going through like a lot of them at some point we're gonna play thursday sword lesbians because do. <laughs> yeah, right? Like that's another uh that's uh, another fantastic that one. That one will also be great. I will yeah, probably absolutely. end up having to run it, which makes me sad because I really want to play it. But anyway. Cool. Um You need your you need your chin tipped up with the point of a sword. <laughs> yeah, you do. I know you. Damn it. <laughs> I got your number. All right. Our next category while Senda blushes and giggles uncontrollably. Oh is fast food no did you know there's an entire category of tiktok that is women with swords because i learned that and it was like a revelation for my sexuality (laughs) okay anyway fast food carry on fast food it's cheap it's quick it may not last but it's easy and it'll get the job done um these are things and to go back to pages um to go back to Paige's email, Paige has already hit the fast food. Yes. Um, because fast food tends to be things like one shots. Yeah. Um, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But Paige has already hit the fast food before um, before they sent us the email. But anyway, for me, right, when it comes to fast food, um, and I don't consider Five Guys fast food because that's like second tier fast food. Fast food, fast food is like McDonald's or Sonic, right? Like... This is not good choices, but this will get the job done. This will get lunch covered. This will get a quick dinner or uh, if I have to eat something in an airport, right? Let's, like, But let's back up and be clear. While, while that may be true of fast food, that it's like it's a choice that just gets the job done. There's nothing bad about running one shots and the games on my list I adore. So like... There's nothing right. I, I'm not I mean, I'm not saying there's anything bad about eating McDonald's. It's just it's fast food. It's not my favorite thing. Um, 
It, but it'll get the job done. <laughs> so down on one shots. I play so many one shots, and I love them. Carry on. I'm the campaign. I'm the campaign. I guy, know. Right? I know. Carry on. We'll get there. But here's the thing, right? Like lasers and feelings is not going to be a campaign. It's not going to be a campaign. No, not at all. Right. But I don't. So I don't. It, but it, it doesn't feel. In listen, in our really in our bad analogy here, right? And our analogy does not hold up well if we if we look too deeply. We are talking about things we could make campaigns out of. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So lasers and feelings ain't not a it. campaign. Yes. We've had that discussion a hundred times and we're in agreement on that, yes. right? Fiasco does not, not really a make a campaign. Um, and a host of other one shots that I have, you know, stacked up on my shelf as well. Um, they are the kind of thing that will get you uh, GMing some stuff. And maybe inspired to like, you know, what, what maybe the next game's going to be kind of thing. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Maybe it's just a palate cleanser, right? So maybe sometimes you just got to have, like, you just got to have a couple of one shots in to like, you know, get ready for your next campaign. And kind of akin to what you were saying at the beginning of the, um, at the beginning of the segment. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but I'm not... So to be clear, I'm not dunking on one-shots. One-shots are perfectly fine. I have run many of them myself. I'm saying that they are not sustainable for campaign no, food. No, absolutely. They're not sustainable for campaign food. Yes. Okay. Good. All right. What What are your fast foods? Okay. This? this is where, obviously, I get funny. So the things on my list for fast food are Jimmy John's and Wingsop. Because those are my, like, okay, food happened. Cool. We're done. Um... And then things that I like for quick inserts that we can just drop in at any time. Um, lasers and feelings in the hacks, obviously. I'm a fan of those. Um, but the one that we play the most in my group is Yes, and I am always ha- always happy to play that game. Always. Sure. I will play it again. Um, it's been a little while since we played it, only because there's been other stuff. Um, but I know we will play it again more than once, right? Um, one last job is one that I've done a lot for conventions and stuff. And for the queen is always a good drop in, right? Mm-hmm. Always, always. Although last time um, we actually ended up playing a game of Decima as a drop in because we didn't leave ourselves enough time after we hung out eating dinner for like a really long time to actually play a full on game. <laughs> so we just, uh, my copy of Decima got here, which is gorgeous if if y'all haven't seen it check it out uh golden lasso um games and uh it's it's beautiful and it's really cool for like campaign startup stuff um but it got here so we just we just did a campaign startup for a game that we probably are never gonna get to play but it was amazing (laughs) but we want to so whatever yep anyway um the next category is actually comfort foods so these are things you have fond memories of nostalgia past campaigns etc yeah. Uh, for me, this is uh, pizza and Chinese food. I have uh, actually a lot of childhood memories about both of these things. Um, so they're always comfort food to me. Like when in doubt, um, taking like just when in doubt, some General Tso's chicken um, or a good New York style pizza will always um, it not only will do the job because that's a go to. It just feels good. Mm-hmm. Like like I like I love like I, I just I love getting takeout um, you know, like take out Chinese food and, um, and just, you know, whatever, like all the, you know, all the really cliche, um, American Chinese food staples, right? I love them. Um, <laughs> and I have a lot of fond memories of when I was a little kid. Um, you, you know, especially when we didn't have a lot of money of my mom and I going for takeout, like on Christmas Eve and Aww. things like that. So like, I have a lot of like really good memories associated with those things. So if I'm seeking comfort food, like that's a place I will go. 
for games, my comfort food of games, like things that give me good feelings um, in modern times, right? Because I, you know, in 40 years, I have a lot of these, um, but honestly, now some of them are pretty dated. So in modern times, Tales from the Loop is a game that I had such a amazing campaign with that if I really was looking for comfort food, I would probably get my group to replay, like to extend that story. Like we finished one big arc and ended that campaign. There is no reason I couldn't just start another arc. Yes. Oh, we did. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Same thing with masks. I I left masks. I closed up a whole um, storyline for masks. There is no reason I couldn't revisit those characters. Um, Knights Black Agents, I'm actually playing right now. Yeah. I had a failed campaign, uh, I don't know, five or six years ago. And like, I really wanted to play it all the way through and we didn't. And so uh, I'm doing a whole new NBA game because I actually made up all new vampires and a whole new conspiracy. So I'm not really like, but the game for me in that one is really comforting. Yeah. Uh, And the other one, which I know I'm going to come back to in a year or so is Forbidden Lands. Yeah. Um, I know this because I backed the most recent Kickstarter. And when the, when that supplement arrives, I will probably dust off my um, game group and return (laughs) to playing Forbidden Lands. Uh, It's a game that I just, I like, and we have like a lot of really good adventures for it. Yeah. All right. What about you? What's your, like, what's your comfort food? Like, what are you going to go to? Yeah, this is going to sound weird, but this is my favorite one that I put on the list. Um, Supreme de Volaille Blanc, which is a recipe from Julia Child's cookbook that my father used to make a lot. Why why are you laughing about this? This is exactly the definition of comfort food. Well, it's kind of weird. It's not, it's just like, it's not, I don't know. I'm like, hi, I'm not normal. (laughs) It's not. Listen, comfort food is an emotional thing. Yeah, it is. So. I get so I I one hundred percent get how your dad making this dish is a comfort thing. It's the thing that I used to ask for every year on my birthday. Yeah, because um, it was like the, the fancy thing that he would make. Um, sure. And then he would like when we were in college when we when I was in college and he had a little bit more money, um, so it wasn't a big deal to get the ingredients. Then um, he would sometimes make it on the evenings that I would come home to have dinner with him. Um, so that's like the first meal that I ever drank wine with and like, I know all of this stuff. So it has, it has lots of memories with it. Like It's just a thing. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do not discount that in the least, right? That's ex- I think that is exactly the definition of comfort yeah. food. The other one that's really, really on my list is chocolate mousse is my favorite and it has been my favorite dessert since I was very small. Um, like it was like a big thing for me for a very long time and it's still my absolute favorite and it's not a thing that you can get a lot of places and I've made my own and it was very good and it made me feel like super duper happy and warm and fuzzy inside (laughs) anyway um on the simpler side I am also a big fan of turkey sandwiches like not just bleh turkey sandwich but like you know turkey sandwiches made with a little bit of love and care so that you like you know maybe on a croissant or like you know a good bread and like you know do nice things to them there's one at a place that used to be my my old office that would be like this lovely sourdough with um melted i think havarti in it and then also like greens and some cranberry relish and then like turkey and it was like i don't know i just like turkey sandwiches in pretty much every form that they have and um they've always been my go-to lunch meat sandwich because that's the lunch meat that i eat so, and I'm really into sandwiches. <laughs> I just really like sandwiches. So turkey sandwiches. Anyway, um, so nostalgia games. And this one was also a little hard for me because I don't tend to replay specific games very often. Um, 
So like, but but you might, but I might, I might in the future. And like, even recently there've been some that I've played like twice. Um, so, you know, but it's interesting, right? And Tales from the Loop for me is also on that nostalgia list. And it's on that list because the game was so good, right? It was so good that we did go back to it and keep playing it. And then once we'd done that second one, um, like when and Quincy and I went back to it again one last time, right? To like wrap up the last of the loose ends. Um, so I've been back to that one, I think, um, the most. The really interesting thing about it is um, in complete opposite to you, I am not sure that I would actually play a game in it again because the three rounds that I did in it were so powerful and so good. Um, I would be very disappointed if anything new that I played in it did not live up to that standard. Um, and I'm so scared, <laughs> scared to reapproach it and have it not be as good. It would be like, it's like, it's like when you get creme brulee in the U.S. and you never know if you're going to get actual creme brulee, if you're going to get like gross custardy stuff with melty sugar on the top. Like you right. order creme brulee and it could be like creme brulee or it could be like, eh, this is fine. But like then you're disappointed because you have the memory of real creme brulee and what it could have been. And it's not that. I don't want my Tales from the Loop experience to be that. So I'm scared to ever play it again. Right. Um, PBTA is on this list for me too, right? Because I have a bunch of nostalgia about a bunch of different PBTA games. Um, I'm not sure if I will play any of them again specifically. Um, but having said that, again, the system holds some nostalgia for me just because we've used it for so many things. Um, and then I, I have like good warm feels about Fate Accelerated. Fate Accelerated was my first um, non-D20 game. Um, I was going to say non-D&D, but Pathfinder is not D&D, so, you know, whatever. Um, it was my first non-D20 game um, that I ever ran, and um, I had really good experiences with that. And that's one that I would probably, if somebody was like, ooh, I want to do a thing, and I was like, cool, what game should we do it in? And we were like, hmm, I don't know. Like, I would probably just be like, cool, Fate Accelerated, right? Because mm -hmm. I have good feels about it. Sure, sure. Yeah. Anyway, that was a lot of long explanations about Senda's nostalgic foods, of which creme brulee sure. is also that's one. Right. That's, what we're, that's what we're here for. All right. Let me bring us to our last category as we're moving through this uh, segment. Yes. Um, our last food category is go do something new and different, right? Go try something outside your comfort zone, right? Like go and pick something that you would be like, oh, I would never run that and just give it a try, right? Like. It's, um, you know, sometimes you just got to shake it up. Like that's how I wound up playing. Um, that's how I wound up running DCC. Like I saw a dungeon crawl classics and I was like, this thing looks ridiculous. <laughs> like this thing looks like the most ridiculous D 20 game I have ever seen in my life. Right. The book is like a tone, it's huge. right? It's right. It's huge. <laughs> it's a textbook. I was like, this is ridiculous. And then I was like, I flipped through it and I was like, I'll, I'm going to just try this. Like, what the hell? Like, if I don't like it, I don't like it, yeah, right? Like, you know, whatever. And actually, you know, and I've said this before, that I actually think it's probably the smartest D20 implement, implementation. Um, I won't count 5e in that. I'll, I'll just say, like, straight D20, like, in the three in the three X's. Mm -hmm. um, I think DCC is still actually one of the best of the D20s um, out there. But anyway... Um, new and different is sometimes the way, like sometimes you got to just get away from 
the the nostalgia, the go tos, the like the the fast foods. You got to just like drive to a restaurant you have never been before, pick up a menu, and just order something. Sometimes you and, have to and, hunt down a taco <laughs> shop or a taco truck in the middle of a parking lot somewhere that just may or may not be there, and you're just gonna go find it and see what happens. I was not wrong. <laughs> you were not wrong. <laughs> I will tell you that next time we go there, I'm getting the uh, Berea ramen. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, that's a thing. Yeah. I've seen it. They make the ramen, but they just put the consomme in with the noodles and then just put the beef on top. <laughs> anyway, um, so sometimes you just got to do that. Uh, and for me, um, two um, ethnicities of food fall into this. They are both things that I, they're both um, types of food that I have watched on TikTok and on YouTube. And the more I watch it, I'm like, oh, I think I would really like this. Like, I really like, but I've never like sought out a um, particular restaurant in my area for either one of these. And uh, that is um, Korean food. Um, I used to, I used to be very unsure about Korean food, but I follow this guy on TikTok who um, makes, you know, like actually he's like a, um, he actually makes the recipes. They look like, they look so good. Like every time I look at, it, I'm like, I, I really got to go find a Korean place in town. And there are right, like there, like there are several Korean places in Buffalo. And I'm just like, I really just got to push out of my comfort zone and, and like, um, but you know, not really going to restaurants right now. Yeah, but anyway, uh, and the other one is Ethiopian. Mm -hmm. Every time I see videos of Ethiopian food, I'm like, I would totally eat that. <laughs> like hundred percent. Like hundred percent. Totally eat that. It looks it looks delicious, right? I've just, I've never, I've never been, um, I tend to, and I know this is just about me when it comes to food and then we'll get to the role-playing part of it. I know that, um, for something like that, I always feel more comfortable if I go with someone who's a fan of that restaurant. Yeah. Right. So like if, if somebody I knew like that I was friends with was like, oh, you want to go eat Korean? I got this, the restaurant for you. Come on, let's go. Um, then I would be like, OK, cool, let's do this. That's exactly right? how I had Ethiopian because there was a really tasty Ethiopian buffet up in Boulder. And uh, one of my coworkers was like, come on, we're all getting Ethiopian today. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And so I went and had it and then it was delicious. And then I wanted to go back and they tore down the building. And I don't know if the restaurant moved or not. I never found it again. Sad. It Terrible. In the 90s, that's how um, I tried Indian food for the first time was that the postdoc in my lab who was from India was like, if he, he said, looked at me one day, and he was like, you have never had Indian food. He's like, come on. He's like, we are going. going. Like, yeah. he, like he took me to the buffet and like, it was great. Like, and he like walked me through and he's like, this is what this is. And this is what that is. And he's like, you should get like, he's like, he's like, since you're, you know, he's like, try this, try that, put some, you know, like all of that. It was, and, and because of that. I had such a good experience that like today I love Indian food. Yeah. Right. So, um, and it's, it's that kind of thing. I just know that's like a me thing, right? Like I just like, that's not everybody, but that's definitely me. I know, I know plenty of people who will just like, you know, up and walk into a restaurant and be like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I'm just going to order something. I am so not that person. I'm just not that I'm not spontaneous. <laughs> like we all understand. If you, if you've been on this show long enough, you know that spon spontaneity is not my strong suit. Okay. <laughs> Flip that over to games. Um, in this case, I don't have specific games. Um, but pushing me out of my comfort zone means I'm going to play something really crunchy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like a medium crunch to light. So playing something super crunchy is definitely outside of my comfort zone. Um, things that are surreal. Um, I was thinking, um, I think it's, there's a, um, there's a, 
uh, Cthulhu game um, that Robin Laws did. I want to say it's the Dreamhounds of Paris is like really surreal. Like I, I, I don't think I could swing. Like I don't feel comfortable in that game. Invisible Hand is another one where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could run this game. Like I don't know if I know enough to be able to run this game correctly. Um, things that are mythos related. While I have read, uh, you know, a handful of. Um, of Lovecraft stories. And I, and I, there are several, um, I like, despite it's very, you know, it's problematic backgrounds. Um, mythos isn't one of those things I'm super well versed in. So I never feel qualified to, uh, to run a mythos style game. So those would be things that are like out of my comfort zone. And maybe one day I just have to do those. Right. And maybe I don't. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe yeah. I do, maybe I don't. But maybe like if I was like really tapped out of ideas, maybe that's like I might just go something like really left field. Right. And just um, and just, you know, go like, you know, hey, we're running champions. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, get ready. OK. That kind of thing. <laughs> How about you? Well, like what's uh, what's your what's your what's your new difference? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we've talked about this before. Someday it will probably happen. Bacon. Oh, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening because I feel like Aladdin. Like I feel like Aladdin on the carpet, right? If I can just get you to eat bacon, I can open you up to this like whole new world. Anyway, I haven't had bacon and I think that that would be the thing. That was the only thing I could think of because I was like, I couldn't think of anything else that I'm like really dying to try food wise. So I was like, you know, bacon is a thing. Anyway, um, game wise, there's one that I know I want to do and I haven't really had the drive slash opportunities slash, you know, circumstances to engage in. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, which I, 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 I really want to play honestly right now first, but go on campaign LARP. I want to play a LARP campaign or like a long form camp, um, LARP. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we usually, in my group, we will play LARPs, and um, we usually do them like afternoon LARPs, right? Like the last one we did um, for the for the birthday celebration that we did, we played um, the Real Ghost Hunters of Sando- Sandusky Township, which is delightful. Um, but, you know, you play it in like four, three hours, four hours, right? And then you're done. Um, so I've never done one of the like long weekends, like multi-day things with an ongoing story or any of that kind of stuff. That sounds really cool. I think I would want to do that sometime. I'm going to do it sometime. Cool. I haven't ever done it. Anyway, other things that are way outside of my comfort zone have never done. Um, running someone else's modules <laughs> slash sure. pre-written adventures. Like that's a thing that I could do if I didn't have the time slash engagement to really like creatively come up with ideas slash suddenly decided that I didn't want to improv all of my games anymore. Um, that's a thing that I could do that might actually work for me at some point in the future. I don't know. Um, and then also similarly to you, because my general range of crunch is zero crunch to light crunch (laughs) or yours is like light to medium. If you put something crunchy in front of me, that is going to be outside of my comfort zone. Right. Um, and it is going to be so it's going to be different for me. Maybe someday that'll be the thing that I'm just like, you know what? This is great. Like, let's let's do some some people on a map. Um, I have gotten I mean, I've definitely had fun engaging with the crunchy elements of games before. Um, it's not what I'm currently getting out of games, but it may be that again in the future. And I don't know that. Right. 
Yep. So who do I don't know? Yeah, my notes actually say crunch crunch, um, <laughs> but it looks a little bit more like amch crunch. I don't know. I'm gonna just keep you moving. We're so close <laughs> so to the close end. So close to here. the end. All right. So um, those are just some rough categories, right? We were just having some fun with that, but hopefully you get the idea that there are, you know, different areas you can kind of go to mentally. Um, sometimes knowing what to look for is going to help, right? So sometimes the reason I bring up these categories is like you might say to yourself, like, oh, you know what would get me excited is like to really do something nostalgic, like to go back and play in this particular. Um, you know, in this particular setting or, oh, what if we took that campaign that we ran advanced like, you know, 50 years and played like the descendants of, you know, whatever, like that, like that might help you. Um, sometimes it might be as simple as being like, uh, you know what I, you know what I don't want to do is I don't want to do anything outside my comfort zone. I very much want to just, you know, stay in my comfort zone. So like maybe a go-to versus like, instead of doing new stuff, um, or you know what, I don't want to do anything nostalgic. Like, I really want to play something new. I don't want to, like, fall back to stuff that I've played before. Like, I, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to look, I'm going to not look at anything, like, in the comfort food category, and I'm going to go look in some, like, you know, the go-tos, the new things, and things like that. Um, Sometimes, again, just tossing out some random things here, sometimes narrowing the field and then letting the group decide is helpful. So just be like, hey, I want to play something nostalgic. What, from what we've played before, would really get like would really get you guys. Yeah. Right? So just like going going partway and letting the players come the rest of it because if you're like, "Hey, I think something nostalgic is going to give me some intrinsic excitement." And then when the players are like, "We'd be super cool about playing masks again." And you're like, "Yeah, I would too." Yep. Right? Yeah. Like and then boom, you're off and running. Yeah. Um sometimes you should just pick something and run it. Um, and, and don't worry about whether it fails or not. Right. Um, or plan it to be short and that's fine. It doesn't, eight, you don't have to commit to another four and a half years page. That is impressive. Exactly. Right. A decade ago, <coughs> a decade ago, that was his old as I man checked the date on the, yeah. yes, thank you. As I checked on the website, um, on Gnome Stew, I wrote an article called The Rebound Game, which is a little tongue-in-cheek about um, having gotten out of a long-term relationship, like Paige had with a, with a long-term <laughs> campaign, had started playing um, a new game, but then actually found as I was starting to play that new game that I was really more interested in this other game mm -hmm. that came up, mm -hmm. uh, and I wound up switching games very quickly. Like I only got like a couple sessions in on this witchcraft game I was running and jumped over to Corporation. Um, and in a very tongue-in-cheek, um, 10 years later, I'm not sure if I would have written this article exactly <laughs> the same way. Um, I mean, But yeah. <laughs> I leave these things out there as, as moments in history of who Snapchats. I was. Um, it's like I said, it's a little tongue in cheek about jumping from relationship to relationship. But the, the point of it is it's called the rebound game, which is like the game that you play after your last big campaign before you hit something big the next time. Like sometimes you just got to go through a couple of those before um, before you find that next big game. And the thing is, like Senda said, not every game has to be a four and a half year campaign. I'm with Paige. I love a good campaign. I love it, at least a story arc, right? I love at least one good story arc for a campaign, if not, you know, one or more. But um, those kinds of things, those four and a half um, year games are uh, sometimes lightning in a bottle. Yeah. You really can't, um, you really can't set a formula on them. When they take, they take. 
And so the thing is, you should, and I guess this is my really important, this will be my, my key piece of advice before we hit the closing on yep. this. Um, and before I kick it over to you to help um, for your last piece of advice, my piece of advice on this is don't try to push for the four-year campaign, right? Just try to find things that you and your players are interested in and be open to two things. Be open to uh, when it's not working, just toss it. Don't worry about it. I've had more four-session campaigns than I care to remember, but I don't wallow in things that we're not having fun with, and I don't not try things because you never know what game is going to take. So don't be afraid to fail, like fail sooner, right? Fail fast. And also be open. You don't like, who knows? Like you may just pick something on a lark and it will turn out to be your next four and a half year game. There's no, there's no real way to know. There's no formula for I'm going to make a four year campaign other than brute force. Like it, like a blood oath that you commit, like you're never going to stop playing this game, no matter how miserable we are. Right. Like a 1950s marriage. Oh God. Right? Like, don't, <laughs> like don't do, like don't do that. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Don't do that. Um, Aww. like go in, oh, go in open to possibilities, <laughs> but if it's not working, just say Get goodbye. Out. Yeah. Get out. It's Okay. You will eventually find the one. Um, you will eventually find the one by playing stuff and knowing when to go and knowing when to stay. And along the way, you're probably going to have some fun like as well. Yeah. Those, those three-month campaigns, those one-story arc campaigns may be just as memorable as some of your larger ones. In my 40 years, and I say that again, feeling pretty old, in my 40 years, that is absolutely true. My longest campaigns and some of my shortest campaigns have equal space in my memory and nostalgia just for being like good games. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is like, don't be scared about, um, you know, running a shorter campaign, even by intention, right? So that if you're getting into a game and you're like, well, I think this might be interesting, but I kind of can't tell because I'm, I'm still in that place where, um, you know, there's not a ton of excitement intrinsic to me, but I'm willing to kind of give this a shot and see. It is more than okay um, if you are a planning type of person to intentionally plan this to be, you know, a one to two month campaign. That's absolutely fine, more than enough. And honestly, if it does stick and your players are like, amazing, you're like, no, this is actually awesome or whatever it is, right? Then it's easier to extend that out instead of feeling like that you're committing to something for four years when you're not sure if you like it or not. It's a lot of pressure, right? So I think that that's, that's probably our key takeaway for this entire conversation is, um, you know, find, look for a game that feels fun in this moment um, without having to feel like you're going to have to stick with it. Like, you know, it's okay to start a campaign and then the campaign doesn't last for as long as you expect. Sometimes it's okay to run through the McDonald's drive through Sometimes it's okay to order something fancy from takeout and throw it away. Yeah. Like, so you like, know what? Ma sometimes sometimes you, you don't have to keep the leftovers because you didn't like it as much as you expected to. <laughs> Exactly. You are not right. You're not. That beholden. leads to a whole other. Yeah. That leads to a whole other topic that you and I could yeah, spend could hours spend on, which we're not going to. Time today. on that one because we're both Thorbrain really in our own traumatic, really pasts bad at are, getting rid of food. 
<laughs> yes. Um, anyway, before we unroll <laughs> that bit of therapy into the show, why don't we get ready to leave? And good luck, Paige. And and Paige, hit us up on email or Twitter. Yeah, we want to know what you pick. We want to know what yeah, you end or up TikTok, playing with. Right? Yeah. Whether it ends up being, you know, permanent or not, like just when you start playing a new game, let us know. We want to know what you play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, okay. also, let us know also, if you're also. down to a bunch of options and you like are like want some opinions on them. We may have played them. Like, like a sommelier, we will help you. <laughs> yes. Game sommelier. <laughs> Game sommelier. Yes. Okay. Um, cool. Senda, tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network so that we can get to the closing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there is Super Geek is an actual play one shot live stream created by three BIMPOC players who highlight the voices of marginalized folks in the tabletop RPG scene. They feature gender marginalized GMs and a diverse rotating cast of players. Tune in every other Thursday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time on the Misdirected Mark Twitch channel. And, of course, you can, if you don't make that time slot where they are actually playing live on Twitch, we are, of course, also releasing their um, audio as a podcast stream, which you can catch uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Indeed, indeed. Cool. Say, Senda, where do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us uh, in the Misdirected Mark forums at forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can drop us an email just like Paige did, panda at misdirectedmark.com. Yeah, that part's important. Or you can find us on the Tiki Talkies, our two actual individual accounts, which if you found us individually on Twitter, then you can find us on TikTok. It is a one-to-one. It is a one-to-one. Um, cool. Yes. And Phil, once they find us in one of those locations, what what can they do with that information? Hey, just like Paige did, drop us an email, mm-hmm. tweet, a vi- you know, a video, whatever. TikTok. Let it and ask us a question. Um, ask us a question. Pose a topic. Um, just anything in general you want us to hear about. Paige was right um, in their email, which is. Um, they're having the question they suspected other people would have that question yep. too. That is correct. That's, that always is true. <laughs> and that is why we are here, right? Like we are here to take that question you have, not only help answer it for you, but also generalize it so that other people may find answers in it as well. Um, it is what makes our show go round and round. Um, it is the wheels on our bus is your topics. Um, so please keep them coming. Uh, it is our favorite way to do the show. Like we can do the show other ways, but it is our favorite way to do the show is just to take one of your topics and run with it. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, if you like what we're doing here or elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to uh, the Bamboo Lounge, the Misdirected Mark outtakes uh, after show, Misdirected Mark after show, <laughs> and access to our Slack room for life. Um, we're not doing too much else right now. Um, we're still kind of in this post, um, like late pandemic. I can't even say post, post late pandemic yeah. where we're not really spun up to our, um, full selves. Um, there'll be other stuff in the future. Um, for now, uh, partake in our awesome Slack room. It's growing by a couple more people. I think we're like at one Oh two or something. Um, awesome people talking about games, talking about food, just being funny. Like there's like, there's a, there's a lot of good things going on there. You, you could be a part of that if, uh, if you'd like, and we would like you to be there as well. If that's what you're into, if you are already supporting our Patreon campaign, thank you very much. It's what keeps the lights going, uh, on, 
Um, if you can't support our Patreon campaign, we understand. Um, there's another thing that you can do to help us, which is to get the word out about this show. I was on Twitter the other day and saw at least two more posts of people being <laughs> like, what podcast do you watch or listen to, right? That like right there is so helpful for us. So if you um, are able to do it, um, and just drop our name, you know, if, if you so want to recommend inclined. us. Don't don't recommend us if you're like, you know, eh, I listen to the show, it's so They're so. terrible. Don't listen to them, but here's the link. I it's, mean, you're probably not listening to us if we're yeah. terrible, but if you're just like, eh, it's an acquired taste, then, you know, whatever. Just don't, you know, but if you're feeling it, if you're feeling it, do it. Like, we would appreciate <laughs> it. Um, and also, there's another thing you could do if you're also feeling it, but don't want to like kind of hang it out there, you know, like in public and just want to like write something on your, a soulless your website. Your guilty pleasure podcast. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I feel yeah. like that's like, probably not us. What is, what's the thing you can do on the soulless website that also helps wow. us? You could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get, soulless website or not, really does sometimes actually help new people find the show because algorithms and stuff. And then people read reviews. I read reviews. So um, we really do appreciate all of the ones that are up there. And uh, we read all of them. Yes, we do. We check. Uh, so we do. much appreciate. We love them. They make us feel warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, thank you very much for leaving them. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, say, Senda, what are you going to do for dinner tonight? I don't know. I haven't gone grocery shopping yet. I had Jimmy John's for lunch. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Check, check. Clickety, clickety, clickety. I am good to go. Are you ready? Yes. Do you have your Apple Pencil? Yes. Get ready to mark the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>